This week on What the Church. There was one week that I forgot that I was supposed to pray after the song and then tell everyone, pass the peace. And I got done with the song. It was a powerful song. I felt it was just like laid it all out there. And I'm just like, I'm just spent. I'm like, oh, tag, you're it, right? Case is coming up. And I look up and everyone's still staring at me and everyone's eyes are closed. <laughs> and it probably was a four second pause, but it felt nine, 90 minutes. <laughs> and I went, thank you, Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Church, let's turn, acknowledge one each other and pass the peace of Christ. That was oh, awesome. Man. Welcome to What the Church, a podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Orlando. I'm Cameron Hughes, and this is episode two of our Meet the Ministry series, where we're introducing you to our new ministries and the people behind them. Um, Today, I am joined again by Miss Alexa Rossi. Hello, everyone. And by our new director of Genesis Worship, Josh Ammons. Hello. Dr. Josh Ammons. Oh, boy. Here we go. Yes. (laughs) Josh joined us recently (laughs) in September. Uh, first week, last week of August. Yeah, it was uh, it was early August, actually. August 4th was my first week. I'm totally lost. Hey, it's great. Um, and Josh <laughs> is also a professor over at Rollins College in Indeed. communications. Um, and you've been leading worship for the greater part of 20 years. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Off and on, absolutely. Josh, tell us a little bit about your story, how you got here, um, how God got you here. To first prep. Yeah, as you said, Cameron, I've been leading worship uh, for for a while now. I started with my campus ministry, Student Christian Fellowship. That would probably been in the late 90s, 1999, 2000, somewhere around there. I had uh, used the good old Young Life chord book mm. to learn worship songs. That was kind of my the way that I not only learned about worship music, but I also learned how to play guitar, sort of one in the same. And so I had learned and played in my... Uh, room and for my family and and small group of the church that I grew up in. And then I went off to college and they had a worship band, worship team. And I said, this sounds exciting. I could I could probably play and sing here. And so being able to part of that and then from there went to help lead worship for a small church in southern Indiana. I was there for a while during college. And then during graduate school, I moved to uh, central Indiana, Muncie, Indiana, where I got my master's at Ball State University and led worship for a Christian Missionary Alliance church up there. And after my master's program, went off to get my PhD at University of Nebraska in Lincoln, Nebraska, and helped lead worship for an evangelical free church plant up there. That was very exciting. And so college church, but there was a good group uh, from the community, uh, very missional church at the time. Uh, I don't think we probably use that word explicitly, but very much out into the community and making connections. From there, uh, I got my first big boy job, as my wife and I called it after I got my PhD. And we were in upstate New York for six years. And we were at a uh, Reformed Baptist church up there, and I helped out with the contemporary service. The Crossing was the name of it, and that was a a great part to be a part of and build that community, and we were there for six years. But yeah, I've been in uh, Orlando now for, boy, this is my fifth year now, and found uh, First Prez and looked at... At the job description of what they were looking for, a Genesis director who would combine liturgical elements with contemporary style, and that seemed to fit my bill. So I threw my name in the hat. And yeah, what do you mean by liturgical elements? Oh wow, that's a, you know, I I grew up in uh, I did not grow up in 
in traditional churches. We'll, we'll talk about what, what actually, what does traditional even mean? But uh, I, I grew up in church plants. And so a lot of my journey has been sort of younger church plants that sort of use contemporary styles to sort of attract people that would match kind of the the sound of the, either the radio or the sound of what, what's happening in new Christian music. And so I grew up, uh, my, my parents were part of a church plant when I was in elementary school and middle school. And so I did not have the denominations or sort of that liturgical background. It wasn't until uh, graduate school that I started doing some reading on different kinds of liturgies and building that in the church in upstate New York. And then also over the last couple of years, just really looking at what does it mean to have a posture of worship and building in prayers of confession and assurance of pardon that that we are using what, what I would call a formative church service in the sense of we are doing elements that we hope are educating people on the posture of what worship could and should look like according to the scripture. So, so building in a liturgical element could be a, a call to worship, announcing the glory of God and inviting people in. So I might use a Psalm there or something from the new Testament that just really reminds us that we are in the presence of God that he is here and let's worship him. And then, and then also building in a, a prayer of confession that, that we should, as a practice, confess our sins, to one another, that, that we are constantly examining our heart and laying that before the Lord, but then also being assured that his grace is sufficient for our sins and and reminding us of that and then so so some of these these prayers and these confessions I think that the 10 years ago Josh Hammonds would have said do not give me a prayer to read aloud. I pray from my heart organically as I feel moved, right? But as I've gotten older, I said, no, these are these are great sort of guidelines. Give me these words to say, and I will say these words and recite these words, and these words will then jumpstart my heart yep. to to pray specific confessions, maybe that I've been feeling this week. And so so to like have that set prayer outlined for the congregation to say, but then also having moments of whether it be silence with music, to also then say, here's some specific prayers that I would like to confess and really lay before God right yeah. now. I think as I've kind of explored liturgies over the past couple of years, mm-hmm. I definitely thought, hey, this, this is going to box me in and stifle creativity. Right. But if anything, it's done the exact opposite where it's like, no, this has given me a framework for me to really apply truths that Christians have been reciting or praying for hundreds, right. if not thousands of years. I mean, I don't know how far back some of these things no, go absolutely. in church tradition, but... It's so cool. I, I think so. And I, and I think a recent passion of mine is to really create, a, um, you know, we're creating themes of gospel throughout the whole service. And so that that is a given. But then uh, maybe Dr. Swanson or one of the teaching pastors will have a specific theme that they'd really like to focus on. Maybe it's a, a theme of gathering and scattering or a theme of surrender. And so I, I hope to take that theme and then weave songs and liturgical elements that all highlight that thesis throughout. Yeah. And so that's been a huge passion of mine. And so as a communication professor, I talk about presenting a thesis statement and then support that thesis statement. And then so then weaving that into corporate worship of, all right, what prayer would be really good for surrender? Mm. What song would be really good about surrendering? And so making that theme, because I think that we are inundated with thousands of messages, if not hundreds of thousands of messages in a given week. And to come to church and say, let's really focus on a main tenet of our faith or a, or a really strong truth. So that when we leave that, that that collective on Sunday, we're really thinking, wow, God was really speaking to me about this specific thing. And it was weaved throughout that whole, whole service element. Yeah. Yeah. You're touching on a, 
a theme that I think is really important, especially as we talk about having missional DNA and how does worship become part of our formation and in some sense, sanctification, uh, transformation into more and more the image of Christ. Like what, what happens on Sunday, week after week, how does that affect us? Yeah, I think it's a great question. I think that, um, oh, wow. Yeah. I, I think in a perfect situation, we would spend the entire week in private worship. We would have times of solitude. We would have times of singing alone. And then we would come together on a Sunday and sort of collectively sing and rejoice together as this sort of picture of heaven as sort of a formation. And I think Sunday becomes an interesting place. Maybe maybe this has been a week where you haven't had that alone time with God, where you haven't had private worship. And so on Sundays, one of the challenges is we, we try to weave in times of maybe this is a time to be... Uh, private with God to to pray things that you haven't thought to lay things down that you haven't thought um, but also a time to remind ourselves that we are part of a greater body and we are in a collective sense worshiping a God who, who in a beautiful authority structure over us and we are giving him all the glory and all the praise all the attention our time our melodies our joyful noises and so emulating that week in week out I think is so good for our souls just to be reminded of these truths and of that posture You know, this has been the one of the largest congregations I've been a, a part of. And I find myself just backing away from that microphone and just saying, oh, just listening to the praises of his people is something that ministers in my soul. And is so awe, I'm just in awe over that posture and what that looks like. And I think it's a small glimpse of a snapshot of what heaven, heaven is and will be and all that good stuff. I love the continuity that we have as a 143-year-old church. Um, there's a lot of tradition in how we do worship here. Um, so we have those who are more in tune and more commonly attend our Genesis service, and they see that contemporary style of worship. We have a, another portion of our church that is highly involved in our traditional worship service. Sure. And I love the blend that you and Steve have been able to put together. Steve is our director of traditional worship. Um, just to see the, uh, the cohesion between the two services right. and see how the same themes are there. Right. Even the same liturgy is there with two totally different expressions of worship. Right. So. Yeah. And this is, that's a new process emphasis mm-hmm. for us. And Absolutely. Yeah. So Steve, I, you know, I met Steve on my first week and we're, we're literally the same age. Mm -hmm. We come from different backgrounds, but have similar overlap within those backgrounds. And so we, we've talked a lot about what are you doing this week? Oh, I I have a great arrangement of that song. Mm -hmm. Let's build that in as well. So even next week, we are literally doing the exact same songs Mm -hmm. in the traditional as we are in the Genesis service, which is really cool to sort of, sort of see the arrangements are slightly different. The melodies are the same, the words, obviously the lyrics are the same and the arrangements are different and uh, it's just really cool to see a good blend of those worlds josh have you ever had any mishaps or anxieties that you feel on sunday morning uh just maybe even anecdotally something funny that's happened uh as you've led worship so yeah before before sundays i'm i've i'm always nervous before 
before church. That's surprising so. to if me. If you ever tried to talk to Josh before church, he's like, ah, hi, bye. No. Yeah, I am. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I have lots of anxieties. I think for me, like trying to figure out sometimes, sometimes I get in that groove and God is leading. And then other times maybe a note was off. I've broken strings before. And then, you know, to, to say a prayer of confession and then messing up those words and then stumbling through a prayer and not really knowing. Um, yeah, sometimes there's so many things coming at you at once that have my ever, brain just completely stops. Have you ever messed up something like the Lord's Prayer? Like something like, <laughs> like you should know. I think always. Yeah. I mean, I, what was it? A couple of weeks ago, our first uh, Apostles Creed that I did, I, the words I had were from a very different part. And so the congregation <laughs> is saying one thing and I'm saying another. And I'm like, I'm just going to keep powering through. But yeah, certainly there are those, those hiccups where you're like, oh, there's a lot of people Ooh, here being misdirected. It does happen live, folks. It does <laughs> right, happen live. Right. There was one week that I forgot that I was supposed to pray after the song and then tell everyone, pass the peace. And I got done with the song. It was a powerful song. I felt it was just like laid it all out there. And I'm just like, I'm just spent. I'm like, oh, tag, you're it, right? Case is coming up. And I look up and everyone's still staring at me and everyone's eyes are closed. <laughs> and it probably was a four second pause, but it felt... Nine, 90 minutes <laughs> and I went thank you Jesus amen church let's turn acknowledge one each other and pass the peace of Christ that was awesome and uh, I think that was like my second Sunday too so thank it was like, you okay, Jesus follow the tech sheets can you talk a little bit about your vision for where Genesis is headed? Obviously, you've been here for a couple of months. You're starting to get bearings on uh, where the church is headed and sure. where all of that's leading. But what would you say is different about your vision for Genesis than what people have experienced to this point? Yeah, and, and so not coming from First Pres, uh, I, I don't know exactly where we were before, but I can tell you that I have a huge heart for inclusivity in worship mm. Uh, and participation in worship. And so what does that mean? Uh, I want to include as many people that have a heart for leading worship as possible. So if God probably has called people in the congregation mm -hmm. to facilitate worship, and that could be through choir, that could be through instruments, uh, through singing. And so I'd love to know who's out there that has a heart for this and and wants to be involved, that God has called. And so, you know, that, that'd be one thing. I'd love to loop more people into it. Um, but then also with participation, too, I think that that it, that sort of mirrors the idea of inclusivity of how do we get people to participate in the congregation? So one of the I think one of the sad things, you know, and I grew up in, in high school, I was in the choir, I was trained vocally. And so I love choirs. And I think one of the downfalls of not having choir in contemporary worship is you, you really had about a third of the congregation sometimes in smaller church mm -hmm. settings. You have a third of the congregation facilitating and leading worship. So you really had this robust everyone singing, everyone's participating. And so now we have six people on stage leading a band at Genesis. Uh, and it's not as many as, as I would think. And so Steve and I've been talking about, let's do like a choir Sunday, maybe the second week of the month, we, we loop the choir in to, to sing with the Genesis band. Um, mm. And so participating in that. So I'd love to see uh, a reflection of our greater Orlando community as well. You know, we talk about 
different cliques and, and that churches have and, and certain socioeconomic status, certain races are attracted to certain churches. I'd love to sort of break those boundaries that we as a church downtown would be representative of what Orlando looks like and uh, that we would celebrate and participate in different kinds of styles. Right. I, I certainly have a preference, but I'm not tied to my own preference, my own playlist, my own set list. And I would love to hear what other people want to do and sort of that we could be that reflection of what heaven will look like, which is all voices singing, all tribes, all tongues. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Tim Keller has this quote that I wish I could look up right now because it's so good, but it basically talking about how worship on Sundays reorients us to capture the vision of which kingdom ultimately we're serving. Oh, Cause so I think, good. I think, you know, Monday through Saturday, we're mm. so tempted to live our lives, just building our own little kingdoms. Sure. And then we're hit with Sunday. And it's just this reminder that ultimately the Lord is calling us to build his kingdom and, and that he sits in his majesty on his yeah. throne. And we're invited to be a part of that. Mm. Like that's insane. So you talked a little bit about, uh, as a musically talented person, how we can get in touch with you and get involved in helping with worship. But let's say I'm not a musical person. Sure. How do I participate? Where's, where's my place in musical worship? Sure. Well, Lord says, make a joyful noise, right? It doesn't say, sing this, per- sing this melody perfectly, <laughs> and then I will be pleased with you, right? That's, that's, that's not at all what we're looking for. I think for me, it's... Um, I'm I'm an interesting worship leader. I, I I've likened myself to more of the track coach metaphor than anything else. I think there are different kinds of worship leaders, but mm. I'm I'm definitely one of those that will uh, will stand on this uh, right next to you and say, "Come on, let's do this. We got another lap in us. We got this. Let's go." And so I sort of I sort of lead from uh, I'm certainly emotive, right? I, I'm emotional, and I'm and I'm not uh, shying away from how I'm feeling about a particular song, um, and I'm probably slightly loud. Uh, and so I think that I've, I've heard from some, some people, it's like, wow, when, you know, in, in instances where you're leading worship, I do feel like I want to sing louder to sort of match that. And I don't think I'm doing that in a strategic or manipulative way, but my, my heart and my hope is as a worship leader, I'm putting it all out there. I'm leading, I'm singing loud. I am singing, uh, from, from my emotions, from my heart, but also from my intellect. And, and at the same time, you would then feel compelled to respond Mm -hmm. And do the same that I'm that I'm somehow reflecting what I hope the congregation would join with me in, in doing. I still can't get through the the Shane and Shane rendition of Andrew Peterson's "Is He Worthy" oh. without crying oh. because I hadn't heard it in like with such that like uplifting mm. uh, bridge. Is that right? Correct terminology. How, you led me into that essentially is what I'm saying because the way, the the first time. I heard you sing it. I was like, whoa, I'm joining into a course that is so much higher. And so every time I still, still listen to it, I tear up and I like have to be strategic about like when I let myself go there because of that. Well, and I think the cool thing about that song, the first time this congregation sang that song collectively, like obviously we've, many of us have heard that on the radio and and things like this before, but, but Dr. Swanson spent the 
better part of eight minutes breaking down the lyrics. What does this mean? Right. Do we have someone that is worthy? We absolutely do. We owe him everything for that. And so when we got to that song the first time, like the truths have been uncovered. Right. And and there was this response. And I think one of the beautiful things about having worship songs after the sermon is that, wow, we are reminded of the goodness of God. We are reminded of his attributes. I can't help but now stand to my feet and sing to the top of my lungs this song. And so, yeah, we've, we've weaved that in post-sermon a couple times now, and, and it is. It's just rich and it's powerful. And, of course, anything that Shane and Shane arrange is going to be belting at the top <laughs> of their lungs. And so Luke and Haley and I and whomever is singing that with us, uh, Hope Rousseau, and, and we say, all right, let's do this. Let's give it, let's give it our all and, 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 yeah, lay it all out there. Best 1990s contemporary Christian song. Oh, yes. Y'all remember that cartoon song? Uh, what if cartoons got saved? Chris Rice. Yes. What oh. That was saved. one of my first concerts ever. <laughs> you had that Chris Rice, Stephen Curtis Chapman. Michael W. Michael W. Smith. And yeah, just all of them had those just open acoustic guitar chords, Which fun. Bled right into Chris Tomlin. Sure. But that Paved was the key way. of G. Well, the key of B. <laughs> Just make it slightly painful for the congregation to sing. Yes. And it's right where it needs to be. Yep. Yes. You know, and, and people talk about the the octave of the congregation. You're, we're singing too high, and we don't know what that means, and we can't sing that high. Will you please lower it? And I I fully support that idea. I do know two things. Sometimes the a good singer does have a high voice, and it needs to be in a in, a, in an octave or a range that's comfortable for the singer. But there's also some interesting studies Hashtag on what, yes, it also, <laughs> and, and there's also some interesting studies on what happens to the brain, to the emotions when you do sing at the top of your range. And there is something interesting where it's sort of, you're giving it your all and you really feel like you have this catharsis as you're singing as high as you can. And so, yeah, if, if it's too high, take it down the octave, obviously. I, I sort of have a right in that baritone tenor range. Some people might think it's too high, but yeah. I heard an interview with Tomlin not super long ago, and someone asked him specifically, why do you write your songs in such a difficult key to sing? And he said, because the congregation sings louder. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you've got, you've got to sh- – well, and I would argue he has a high voice, right? And that's yeah, comfortable yeah. in his range. Could he sing lower? Probably. But that's probably really comfortable for him. And if he's singing to his fullest capacity, that's going to reflect on the congregation. They will then sing to their fullest capacity. But, yeah, there is something about – Having to stand on your tippy toes vocally to reach <laughs> at some point, yeah, you're you're going to have to push, and and the volume I think is a big part of participation. This is all harmony. new to me. <laughs> exactly. Psychology of these decisions. Psychology of melody. Well, thanks, Josh, for coming in today. Uh, it was great to hear a little bit more about your heart for worship. And Alexa, thanks for joining us. Of course. We are excited to continue with you in the series moving forward and continue to introduce you to all of our new faces here at First Prez. Absolutely. If you have any questions about how to participate in worship, if you want more info on the band or the audition process or all of those pieces, go ahead and email Josh at jhammons at fpco.org. And Josh, I'm sure you'd be I would uh, love excited it. to see those. I would love it. And then uh, as far as our podcast, we're glad you're listening. If you want to subscribe so that you get the podcast automatically to your phone, go ahead and do that. Uh, if you have any questions on how to do that, feel free to stop by my Connections booth on Sunday morning in the Fellowship Hall, and we'd love to get you set up. All right, now go live truth. <laughs>